Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945. Can I get out? Oh, yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Illuminati confirmed. You have been confirmed. Boom. Get that Illuminati music industry. Illuminati confirmed. How about this? Want to join Illuminati? Call us. Oh, today. dude. I, I trust the media. I was Morpheus, and I was interviewing a frog. Wait, what the fuck is this guy talking about? I don't know. Illuminati confirmed. I was raped by a big friend. <laughs> Are you being furrow right now? I am being 110. Illuminati confirmed. She was rocking a sundress made out of silhouettes. Shadow puppets strung along for the village idiots. Stop the hissy fit. Walkman, Bob, Digi shit. Same city bricks. Look at weather, then you end up on the shitty shift. Model of Vicks, papers rubbing for the gritty fix. Hippie chick need a different twist. Drunk trying to be Heartbreak like Diddy shit When the last train missed pity Party now the city sick Looks gone bad And the well has never seen a drip Last piece of the puzzle doesn't seem to fit They on the greedy shit Hand out needy tip Intuity included We don't need a tip Thanks though Right high even when the bank low Walk in the blank slow Hands on the tape deck Heard from a bird's eye view It's a train wreck Got the crowd rocking And they don't know my name yet Welcome to the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy podcast, and you have tuned into an Illuminati confirmed Wednesday Ultra Swapcast. That's right, every Wednesday I join Andreas Exertis and a few other very special co hosts on his show. 
Wednesday Ultra on his YouTube channel. You can find it by searching Andreas Exertus. Please go and check that out and enjoy listening to this episode of Wednesday Ultra featuring my friends Juan Ayala and Chris Proser. That's right. Welcome to Wednesday Ultra. I'm Andreas. To my uh, to my side here, my 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 companion, Mr. Douglas. It's so wonderful to have you here, Mark. Back again. Always taking the time to make sure that the mind is investigated to its nth degree. Seth from Venice Beach Dub Club. Always making the best music, making positivity possible. And then Giant, you're here. I love you. I love you so much. I'm so glad you're here. And then we have two new guests, Juan from the One on One podcast, which I hope you heard our episode. He does a thing called Illuminati Confirmed, which is pretty cool. Oh, you have to unmute for it to work, but you know. <laughs> yeah, all of you, confirmed. all of you are muted and trying to talk. You all failed. Hello, I'm the <laughs> second person to get to talk. Thanks for having me back. I love <laughs> Zoom because we all get to see each other jamming out to the really cool intro music that you play for us, and uh, that's just why I'm here every Wednesday because <laughs> I love it. It's Thanks. getting centered, right? It's a little bit of centering, and then it Chris. Is. Chris Proser, Tripoli's processor, as the human computer, he calls me. I feel like this is a good feeling to be together. Mm. I love you as well. Welcome to the Wednesday Ultra. So, I mean, we've got a crazy uh, world. Everything changed in the last week. We, right, we have a king now. Uh, that happened. It almost feels like forever ago that that happened. It's just crazy, right? And a uh, new prime minister. Uh, so many things have changed. I kind of want to just ask you guys, what have you guys been up to and what has changed in your lives this week? I'm gonna have to un. I'm gonna ask everybody's Mr. everybody's Dunn. muted. <laughs> How do I? I got a this? new microphone. Clearly, how do I sound? What's up? I'm having a great week. Waiting for there. Seth's oh, got Mr. it. Douglas has to go to the other room where the system is running to do that because he's like it's like the Wizard of Oz behind huh. the curtain. I can't see it. Same time. I need to see everybody at once. You all oh, are having you- very good hints. I should have just picked it up and unmuted it. Got another buck. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. My, I'm thick this evening. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you. But the screens are working, right? We can see everybody. That wasn't a problem. Seth? And they do it like a Brady Bunch where I can, it's like a jerk. Yeah, you can't, you can't see that? Uh, you push on the to- top right view and go to gallery. I'm seeing that. I'm pretty sure everyone else is seeing that. It's, but, it, it's oh, independent. I, I don't like yeah. Zoom. Yeah. Zoom has got all kinds of problems. This is the worst ad for Zoom we've so ever done. So many options. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and like the Hollywood Square. Who is the guy from Hollywood Square? The funny one with glasses, the comedian that was always in the middle. Harry Carey. That sounds right. I could be. I just know him from a Saturday Night Live thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I remember there being all kinds of problems with Hollywood Squares all the time. And they had to get rid of it because it was too edgy for people by accident. But Douglas, you were going to tell us about Tupacabra, right? Tupac yeah, yeah, Cabra. Yes, yes. Very cool channel I stumbled upon uh, while uh, tooling through Twitter. This dude has put together a whole bunch of micro documentaries on uh, investigation into the alien, extraterrestrial, ultra terrestrial phenomena. And uh, do, 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 do. the one <laughs> phenomena, the one thing, <laughs> the one thing that I, I would just recommend everybody to see, if nothing else, his uh, 30 minute long is very good. Uh, but there's a two-minute one on Carla Turner and ten just sobering facts about 
the phenomena that you can't really get away from. Ultimately, the one that I, I you know, stuck along with me throughout this past week was that no matter what, all of the information that we're getting is in one way or another controlled by the phenomena. We are experiencing and sharing information that they want us to on some level. Right. Look at the Bill Nye. He seems like he is, right? I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Not a science guy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> My God, but there's so many papers I saw once I started looking for that, like UFO timeline and all of these different things start popping up of uh, different stories of where uh, these things have happened. And it was interesting getting into different pages of history of UFO sightings because you get a lot of these things before the 20th century that are pretty interesting, not just in India, which, you know, we've got a huge record there, but across Europe, the Nuremberg UFO fight in the sky, which is interesting because it's not just like a, you know, flight in the sky. It's a fight and there's black sun disks and bright moons and they're all colliding and things are being destroyed and uh, the sky changes colors. And, you know, there's a root legend here to the idea that blue wasn't a color we could see. Remember the Homer's Odyssey, the wine colored. And we're always looking for that Blavatsky uh, Saturnian connection that Saturn was at one point also in the sky, the same size as the moon. Here's your sign. This is the story 1541 before the 16 before the 1666 fires that might be uh, that legend we're not sure if this is exactly the correct year right because this could be when the legend starts to occur but mm. the interesting connection there to nuremberg i think that's a it's a hard one to ignore i love those prints i think that's awesome uh thank you for bringing these up yeah and that went on for like several days people just went to sleep woke up this war in the sky was going on. <laughs> not go to sleep they did I, not go to sleep. <laughs> that would be difficult. I was. Are the blue ones winning? I don't know. <laughs> Imagine that getting boring and you're like, I tap out. I'm going to sleep. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it looks like they're going to be at it for a while. I'm catching some Z's. That's, that's true. It, it's got all the same trappings of, you know, when we talk about the modern uh, stuff and everyone's like, hey, you know, UFOs, those disc copters, that's like 20th century sci-fi. What The things that the military are talking about. Oh, sorry, Seth, what? Read in though how crazy the sun looks in this. So this is all very, you know what I mean? Because like the sun doesn't actually look like that either. So who knows exact how exact the rest of the details are? True. Fair enough. I don't know. Maybe the sun did have a face. I could be wrong. But is this a time of Bloody Mary? <laughs> yeah. When's Bloody Mary? Uh, Mary of Bath. Right. Let's see. Um, wiki. Because they're gonna give me recipes, and that's not what I'm looking for. Uh, legend of a ghost. What? That's not what we need. Where's the lady? There's just this is what they're doing to you now on, on uh, Wikipedia. I gotta block Wikipedia. I gotta really stop. 1516 to 1558. So right. And, so Elizabeth the first, right? Right. And so what we, we just said, celestial 1561. So yeah. So right after she's done. So her sister Elizabeth comes in uh, into play here, right? Dang, during Queen Elizabeth's reign, there's fire in the sky and not just discopters. Again, like the thing is, when we talk about UFOs uh, or UAPs and military crafts, they talk about cigars shaped crafts, right? And uh, this looks a little bit more like that. I don't know, but it's very strange. Agree, agree. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is cool. Hey, yeah, awesome. This is why I sh this might be connected to Shakespeare also, right? Same timing. <laughs> Huh. Definitely. Definitely. What do you think? What do you think about that idea that um, there was more like, so this is an interesting idea that maybe during this period, okay, what else do we have? So what other crazy wars in the 1560s, right? 
Also, that, that story about Edward, that computer program that contacted someone from this time, right? Oh, and what's that? What's that story? It's Edward. It's a computer program. Um, these this English uh, family um, had this computer and it started writing them stuff from the future and from the past. And uh, the people that lived in the past were like right around this time, I believe it was like the mid 1500s. And uh, yeah, the computer itself said it was like, kind of like it was AI. It was from uh, 2100 or something like that. And it was trying to connect them and talk. (laughs) Um, It's E-D and then Word, W-O-R-D. The new 23andMe, Edward. Edward. You know what the you know what the first computer was? Was it the trip? The Babbage calculator or what? No, it was uh, for making like blankets and stuff, weaving. Oh, right. For programming and code weaving, right? Oh, I got you. Coders. So yeah. the word the word coder, if you go to etymology um, and program as well, uh, comes from the uh, system of code tablets wax no this is even earlier from tablets from doing uh tap tapestries right i can't find this you said babbage do you know the story of charles babbage the the father of the modern day computer by any chance uh please enlighten i'm sure you do one here you go dude if this has plato in it dude no it doesn't (laughs) i promise so charles babbage he the the entire premise of wanting to make up the computer was to prove the existence of god and at one point in time allegedly this guy tried to summon the devil and do a a blood ritual a seance to try and, and evoke the devil and bring him into you know manifestation and one of them being that technology is used to literally prove the existence of God. And here you have uh, JPL, right? Jack Parsons trying to do the same thing with L. Ron Hubbard. And then you have the guy of the computer that we literally use all the time trying to summon the devil as well. So the intention behind it originally was to prove the existence of God. And that all connects into the Shakespeare story because yes. John D is invoking Athena. And Athena is uh, telling them to make the Shakespeare character so that they can educate the English and eventually push this onto the Americas and make Hollywood so that they can get us all educated to start pushing progress forward, technology forward. And it looks like they're trying to do that so that they can open up the gateway to release uh, the demons. Right. See, that's I see that. I see the connection with Edward Kelly and John D. I, I can see at that time, I mean, they're talking about when they he went to Nuremberg and to Dresden, right? Mm-hmm. So he's in Germany at that time. That's pretty interesting. And if you look into the difference engine, um, the the idea that he invented it is even just dis- I think it's disputed even in the Wikipedia because they go back and show examples of difference engines going back centuries earlier, right? So clearly he was interested in uh, using this technology for the occult purposes, his relationship with Ada Lovelace, even. <laughs> Raymond, Raymond Love, Lully, Lullyism is the guy who, uh, year 1100, I think, also made a, an analog computer, but it had to do with God, too. He was trying to convert the Muslims to Christianity, I believe. And he made an analog computer, too, where you could ask it questions and it would answer in regards to the the cosmology of, uh, I want to say Christianity, I'm not 100%, but he was... Kind of links into into I Ching, right? And that that mm-hmm. you're kind of divining stuff by interacting with some sort of material from Earth to get information back from it. So well, if you if you think about it, 
technology divinates for us because whenever you click yeah. a video that is being presented to you by the algorithm, it's divination because you didn't want to look at that to begin with, but here this incorporeal thing is presenting it to you from yeah. the ether where it's like, Oh, well we took all the stuff that you were looking at before and here it is. Do you want to look at it? Yes or no. And yeah. that's yeah. divination. I mean, that's, that's how long, magic right then and there. How long before people start using that AI art generator to divinate? I mean, you're absolutely right, Ron Juan. Yes. Like some of the uh, images, yeah. I've made some tarot cards with Dolly. <laughs> cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, kicking bones. It's called it's called Doddleston, uh The Doddleston messages that Edward thing. Just, just so if you want to check that out. Here, what do I what do I type for that? Do, say it again, Donaldson. D o d l e s t o n and messages. The Doddleston messages. It's called technomancy, where they use technology to uh, to enhance their magical powers in vr chat there are literally people with entire uh temples and rooms where they could they do virtual magic and they're using this technology to enhance their magical abilities and yeah. i've literally been in one before uh, a golden dawn one where it's like an entire replica and you can walk in it and there's you can pick the dagger up you can pick the chalice up you can pick everything up and it's literally in vr so this is not out of the norm for some practicing occultists to use technology in order to augment their magical abilities Juan, is that like a tech is that a temple is that where like people like go meet and then like do these things i have a video of it on my youtube or is it like um just some like idiot like i was in it i was morpheus and i was in the temple and i was running around with a frog I promise you, bro. No, I believe I mean, in VR. Is it being used by actual Golden Dawn members to meet up and do practice, or is uh, somebody just going, hey, I'm going to do this? Yeah. So he, he allegedly is a Golden Dawn, a self initiated Golden Dawn member. That, that's oh, that's the wrong order of the Golden Dawn. Sorry. Uh, Thelemic. Let's see. What do I do? Hermetic. There we go. Guys. Yeah, so what's, what's, what's funny about this, we just did an episode yesterday where we kind of went into Aleister Crowley and how he started out as this religious, you know, Christian. He was a kid. good guy. Well, but so here's the thing, though, the Hermetic Golden Dawn wasn't Aleister Crowley and they had a big qualm with him being different than them. They were all about talking to angels. He was all talking about Egyptian gods and things like that. So it's weird when we say, oh, man, the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, like they're Aleister Crowley, because they really are pretty different things. Like they're, the AA is a definitely, you know. And they're talking right. about the golden age, right? That's what they're right. talking about, the dawn mm-hmm. of the golden age, which is coming. It's It's right after Aquarius. Right. So, I mean, the, this is if someone said they're in the AA, I'm a lot more. It's a little more. I think when we say that, that's what we mean. Not necessarily like Golden Dawn dudes. They're just, but there were a lot of people that were like, yeah, let's talk to spirits. Right. I think everybody was doing that because they didn't have TV. So they were. <laughs> Yo, that's so real, bro. That's so real. That was happening here in the States in the 1800s. Ladies would get together at two o'clock in the morning because they wake up in the middle of the night and go, Yo, let's summon some ghosts. Okay. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, I'm not saying that the occult is something that everyone should be like delving into or something like that. But when we say like the Golden Dawn, I mean, is are we saying that you think this guy was evil because he was trying to talk to ghosts and spirits or was he just trying to be a medium or what is that, you know, culturally at that time? Where's the line that we're drawing for Babbage and, and for anybody? Mm-hmm. Dude, was he just a moron? <laughs> Elaborate. Well, a lot, of, a lot of dumb people think they're wicked smart, and a lot of wicked smart people think they're kind of dumb. So it's like, you tell me. You should be like, well, because like I think of uh, crossing over with John Edwards, which is he's dumb, but he's also really brilliant. Con artistry, you know. So there's that's the thing I think about with Edward Kelly. 
<laughs> remember he was really good at manipulating he's like a con man you know you guys remember that movie the ninth gate and we like reference it all the time like Juan and mark and myself talk but like at the end of that movie the guy gets to like this area where he's supposed to be doing some magical ritual and he literally looks at everybody else and he's like you guys are whack like i'm gonna do it myself dude and so like that's the where i get to the end of the thing and i just wonder sometimes like you know are they is it for the show to like show your, your other rich friends that you got this cool dagger and like you know, my, 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 my thing's made out of velour. You know what I mean? My hoodie's made out of velour. You know what I mean? Like, or is it like a show, like wealthy people just trying to orgy? Or is it like, really, we're talking to Moloch here? I want to, it's all, it's all mental, bro. It's one of the hermetic principles. But I want to add, Exertus, because I got to go here very soon, that it was actually the other way around, right? It's always painted that Kelly was the one taking advantage of D, but it was actually D taking advantage of Kelly. And if you read the actual source material, of their magical journals of the seances that they were doing up to 10 hours a day, you would see where there were literally ghosts beating Kelly and breaking his ethereal arms. And D was happy about it because the entire time Kelly wanted to stop, but D kept pushing him and pushing him and pushing him to the brink of insanity, quite literally. And this is all in the journals and you can read the, the firsthand accounts, but it's always painted that way that, that it was, uh, Kelly, the con artist, because he was the cropped eared wizard. And he was, he was an, he was actually one of the greatest alchemists of all time. One of the very few alchemists to ever do a transmutation in person. And he served under Rudolph the second's court and he was uh, very highly revered. And it was had to do with a red powder of projection, which a lot of people speculate was actually some sort of meteorite, the same meteorite that's in, in Mecca. And uh, allegedly they had stolen that at one point, And when they had returned, it was 60% smaller than the first time they had gotten it. So the legend goes is that they broke it up and they uh, were using this for, for transmutation of lead into gold. That's why they were never able to figure it out exactly. But the, uh, the, the gold is just a byproduct. The actual thing that they wanted to do was the homunculus. And I'm going to leave you guys with that because I am the homuncologist. So hit me up. Yeah. I want to talk about that. that. Illuminati confirmed. Bang. There it is. Illuminati <laughs> confirmed. One on podcast. Is. Check me out. It's YouTube, our podcast. Instagram podcast. Love you guys. I'm going to jump to his epic. I'll link up on the one-on-one podcast or do I, yeah, I was going to also look for Illuminati confirmed there. Boom. Bam. This account triple, triple subscribe now. And then all the subs there. Yeah. We like that guys jump on there, get yourself subscribed and thank you very much. Juan. Thank you guys. Love you all. See you next week. Legit. Yeah. So, I mean, so we were talking about homunculi and the idea (laughs) that maybe there was uh, you know, um, the way the history tells us the story is backwards on 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 everything. Maybe Alistair Crowley's story is told backwards as well. What do you got there? What are you looking at that book over there? What is that? I'm just trying to I'm just trying to add some interesting elements to the show. We got all these brilliant people talking. There's no reason why I can't flip through a book and see if it adds to the conversation. Right now, I don't have anything to add, but uh, <laughs> expect expect me to if you give me more time. Yeah, so that, that that stone thing that he's talking about is uh, also, you know, awesome. mistaken with a philosopher's stone and and um, you know oh, Jacob's, yeah. Jacob's pillow stone, right? So that it has magical abilities to open up portals that can go all the way down into hell and all the way up into heaven, or at least through many layers or whatever, right? So when you when you start reading on all these things, they start to get confused on which which is which, and and they're pretty much. You know, some people would agree that it's the same thing, that it's all the same kind of stone that they're using to perform a lot of different magic things like opening up portals and stuff. And then they can interact with the demons. So he was probably 
using that stone so that he can invoke that Athena character and get information from her, right? So sometimes there's psychics, like throughout history, they're always um, uh, capturing these cultures and then they take their psychics and their wizards and stuff like that. That's what happened with Joseph, you know, Moses, you know, really go back, Isaiah, all of them were captured by one group and then they save those certain people. Like sometimes they save the women because they want to, you know, breed with them or whatever. And they usually uh, save the, um, you know, people that are have psychic ability and stuff like that, that are able to somehow talk to spirit entities and stuff like that. And then they get them to invoke things and then they want information that helps them create an empire that's kind of indestructible so they can keep winning fights and and so on. The uh, guy who predicted that Nostradamus, or he he interpreted Nostradamus's uh, writings, right? His uh, quatrains, and he said that Hillary Clinton, no, which one was? Yeah, she was going to lose, and also that Trump was going to have one term, and that uh, the King of England would be coronated this month, that the Queen Elizabeth would die the day she died, et cetera, et cetera. A lot of things this time around that were pretty decent, like pretty accurate, pretty specific. Um, the other one that was good was let me see if I can get back to the beginning of it. It said, uh, where was it? The neural link or something. Who's what poor Sir Beavis? Is that Beavis? And, is that did he predict Beavis and Butthead? Is that what we're uh, here, seeing here? The return of Beavis and Butthead in 2022. <laughs> come on, come on. <laughs> That's pretty good if you can predict that. But 2028, here it is Discovery of the Philosopher's Stone, followed by financial meltdown and religious revival. So, because I mean, <laughs> then, you know, what would, what would do more than, I mean, to get people back into immortality, the Philosopher's Stone. So, I don't know. It's it's interesting that it's not far away. Mm. Um, Maybe Sir Poor Bevis is, uh, or Beavis is Joe Biden, or you know, Biden, Be- Beavis. That, I like that connection. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's that, that sounds, yeah. That, that, <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's all yeah, Beavis right there. You know, I, I mean, be, the, the, the presidential thing and the pre, and, and everything, it does feel like it's such a show, but when you got some of these characters that are supposed to be here for a while, like a judge or, or something that's there for 20 years, it, that seems like, you know, you, you circumvent the power trip and the, the, the trading places, the hat uh, switching by being in the background echelon, right? And But the thing is, Queen Elizabeth II's uh, son, King Charles, he supposed to be in this, uh, and another guy also predicted, only supposed to be king for another six years, not what? a really what? long reign. And then that's he the transition. Yeah, and then you've got this idea of King Bill, you know, the will the Lionhearted or something like that. And plus this esoteric kingdom of Harry, which is existing in the you know financial sector and might be real. Who knows? It sounds kind of crazy to think Harry's actually that well connected and is building this, uh, you know, Yakuza in the Caribbean or something. Wait, but what? you've heard this, right? Like he's got all these uh, businesses. Chris was born uh, in the Caribbean, hence the background there. Oh, that's cool. That's where you are right now. You're, I thought you were in Windows 98. That's no, I'm under a cocoa, <laughs> obviously. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, you're from the Caribbean. What do you think about uh, Saxon trusts and uh, where in the Caribbean are you from? And the idea that the Caribbean is like a, the center of finance for this uh, new economy. I mean, dude, I don't, I, you tell me, this is all kind of new to me. I mean, there's certain aspects of it that I could tell you are like very real. I mean, there's other parts of it that uh, Mark and I were talking about earlier in the week where 
people are trying to discount volcanoes and it's like the most ridiculous shit I've ever heard in my life. Cause I'll tell you what, well, they're, to keep they're it, <laughs> to keep it in the, to keep so, it in like, the lane of the question you asked though, I, I wouldn't be surprised all the pirates down there. I mean, Chris, tell them where you're from, brother. Tell them the special place you're from. It's a unique place. <laughs> yeah, I was born in um, St. Croix, and then I moved to the, oh, really? back to the States, and then we moved back again to a small island, British territory, sovereign nation called Montserrat. And it, it was a, known because of the volcano and erupted in 94, 95, 95. Right, and so you guys had to, like, mass exodus. Oh, okay, hold on, Montserrat. Yeah, so After- as it was erupting and pre and No. Ah, brutal. Yeah, yeah, I went to school there. Uh it was a trip. It was like the only white kid. Sh- Dude, that like- might actually beat Yugoslavia. I think you, that's, this is full on mud flood, Tartaria, volcanic uh, ruin. Ooh, I love it. Yeah. So this Sorry. Is what, what we, what we try to talk about because it's like, dude, like I love the theory, but I love the practice. So I could tell you in theory, John Kelly talked to Anley, this, that, and whatever. But in practice, I've seen this with my own too. It happens. It happened. It happened because I was there before it happened. And it happened. Chris is all, you know what I mean? Chris so is like all twisted up because he saw a TikTok where somebody said that volcanoes don't exist and they're all yeah. just what? the byproduct of mining like, operations. Dude, right now in the uh, in the audience, Brittany is freaking out because she's a volcanologist and she's like, Hold me back, bro. Hold me back. I've got all the data. <laughs> Brittany, I'm gonna send you the zoom so you can jump on so you can I don't think anyone <laughs> disagrees with you, Chris. That's the thing. This was one so TikTok like post. I'm on Team Volcano. I believe in volcanoes. <laughs> so it's, so it's funny. I believe a lot of weird stuff. Oh, man. I believe a lot of weird stuff volcano. about I believe a lot of weird stuff about volcanoes. Like I think that volcanoes are often and were power plants. Like you look at Oklo in Gabon, right? And there's a lot of evidence that it's a nuclear, it's a natural nuclear reactor. But I don't know. I don't feel like it's a natural. Nu- Thor lives on all. Thor lives down there. I think it's an ancient nuclear reactor. Hold on, let me so, see if I can. So, so it's like weird, like because that's natural phenomenon. We can prove it. So like the conspiracy, when we bring it back, to conspiracy is really interesting because conspiracy always trying to say this thing is so crazy. No, bro. It's a volcano. I can tell you it's real, right? You're a volcanologist. So now we go into the other things sometimes. And again, I like evidence-based. So when you're talking about the Caribbean, it has to do with, say, Epstein Island. Well, dude, this is, I mean, obviously pretty real stuff. When you talk about Necker Island and Richard, sir, excuse me, Richard Branson, you know, I can tell you because I have buddies who are friends with him. You know what I mean? So it's like, we know. Small place. Yeah, bro. Our next door neighbor was the sitting president of Chrysler Corporation, he tried to freak me out by taking me a ride in his MIG jet when I was 15. You know what I'm saying? So I can tell you, it's really weird. You've been in a Russian jet, dude? Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Um, Chris is Illuminati confirmed. Powerful people, there's hella money. You know, like the British go to one island, the Americans go to another. You know, you have segregation a little bit like that. You have have areas where you can hide money and, and or other things. Like, you know, so like, Dude, I completely believe you're like, this is a wonky part of the world, no doubt. But maybe kind of everywhere is, though, too. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, New York definitely is, Vegas is, LA is, San Francisco is, you know what I mean? The list goes on. So, if there's some specific we're referring to, like, you're talking about like them hiding money, dude, like, yeah, bro, notorious for that. Dude, there's this thing called the Saxon Trust, right? And so, and the idea of the Saxon Trust was like in the Crusades, when you went off to fight in the Crusades, yeah. somebody could hold your money for you or they could hold your yeah. property. And they'd be like, okay, I'll just uh, 
collect the fruit in the meantime and you'll get it back when you're done. So I'll, it's the interest off of the of the property. A right? usury. A usury. Yeah. And so this this kind of idea became huge in the Caribbean because you, A, you had slaves, B, you had sugar, and C, it was owned by the corporations owned by royal families. So they were super important. And so what you could say is, all right, I want to have all my money offshore. And so let's remember uh, King Charles III. No, second. Is that right? Who's King? Is that right? Um, Depends what you're talking about. The, the reigning king is the third. No, but Queen Elizabeth, Queen Elizabeth II's father, who was King George the Sixth, George the Sixth. Okay, so George the Sixth, and uh, he went off to, and his older brother is that the one who's the guy who went to the Bermuda, went and lived in Harry. Were you just talking about Prince Harry? No, no, no. See, because like this is the thing. Um, oh, the someone before Prince Harry started right. this. You're saying Queen Elizabeth abdicated. Uh, Queen, Queen George. Uh, Queen Elizabeth is only queen because her the correct heir abdicated the throne. Right. Yeah, I'm Edward, trying to remember. Nazi, right? Right. Prince Edward, right? Prince Edward, yes. Yes. Yeah. Edward. Okay. Yes. Edward went to the Caribbean and hung out with Marlon Brando. And what uh, what else did he do? He he was king uh Edward the Eighth from nine from January twentieth, nineteen thirty-six until December of the same year. And then he went and he lived on the islands and he created an entire new economy that was the corporate economy outside of the hands of the state. And that's an entire other kind of kingdom that exists in the Caribbean. It's also associated with a group called the Knights of the Golden Circle. Interesting. The Island? The Knights of the Golden Circle. These are the dudes that have a bunch of gold buried around the south and uh, apparently... And also in Cuba. Yeah. That's one of the reasons why the Bay of Pigs was such an important well, thing. Some people say that this is like the predecessor of the KKK, like the KKK well, evolved from this. I don't know how true that I, is, but... They weren't really... So the funny thing is Bermuda Blacks were in, a part of the Knights of the Golden Circle. There were a lot of persons of color members. Uh, the KKK is a a bastardization of yeah. things that happened after the right. um what do you call it the grant period because the grant presidency was he was drunk the entire time in congress ran presidency while they had martial law in the south and just had union soldiers holding together the south after the war which is another way of showing how much they had to completely convert a culture that really was essentially another country but between the two of them in the north and the south the knights of the golden circle were all black and there's uh i want to remember the example I think it is during the civil war, one of the uh, most important Breckenridge, right? Brink Breckenridge wanted to seize Lincoln. They arrested Breckenridge and then a bunch of Confederates left their posts and a bunch of union Yankees left their posts and joined together wearing all black. They took off their red and blue and put on all black. And then they started launching cannonballs onto, I think it was Pennsylvania and they got back Breckenridge. So we're called the all blacks. No, they just wore all black. Oh. No, they were they weren't into rugby. They weren't. Yeah, I was like, going. what? Was <laughs> <into> rugby. <laughs> and then they did this dance. No, that'd be good. They charged Saturnian. <laughs> but yeah, they wore all black, which was interesting. And then so their like, goal was to yeah, build a yeah. new Atlantis in Cuba as the headquarters, and it would be a controlling of from the Caribbean out to control most of the Western Hemisphere. I mean, dude, think about like. Think about the British Empire. Think about, I mean, the sun never sets, right? It's like, right? It's an occult thing. So yeah. think about like uh, India. Think about all these places that the, now that's just the British. And then think about a place like Montserrat. Was it owned by France? 
then by England, and then you have a Dutch down there, you have Portuguese, you have the Spanish, it keeps going, right? And then think about, they made all their money as buying low and selling high, spices, sugar, rum, et cetera, people for Christ's sakes. So it's like, it's really wild because you're talking about the first corporations, right? Uh, what was it called with the letters? Uh, the, like the uh, people, like the charters, you mean? Like the- no, no, the first companies, the first corporations uh, were made in collaboration with the crown of each of these countries. Yeah, royal charters. Buying, yeah, for buying and selling, right? And then so they made piracy legal over time. So it's just at some right. level, there's no doubt there's all this craziness, but at some level it's commerce. It's they're making money. Right. I mean, so you have this idea of the legitimate source of violence. So the state has the legitimate source of violence so they can license it. But in maritime law, that's not necessary, right? Because then everything's in an anarchy well, officially in the, in the waters. We can start. <laughs> so. Well, and that's, yeah, that's why it's become that place. But up here where I'm from in New England, we were famous for having right. all sorts of privateers and pirates who would ship in and right. out of here. And so, yeah, it's connected uh, up this way as well. Uh, we got a couple super chats I should pull up. Uh, Stefan says, Shaky Spear, Pantelegraph, ma- uh, facts from Magna Carta. You guys know about the Pantelegraph machine, right? Have you seen that before? Tell Let me us. pull that up. You've pulled Here's that up before, yeah. Pen, yeah, yeah tell us about it. it. Pull, those, pull it up. Yeah, pull for, it up. For those, who, for those who aren't familiar with the Pentelegraph machine, it's a good thing to bring up, actually. Yeah. So yeah. this is a machine from Giovanni Caselli. But really, when you start to look in deep, dig deeper, you find that he was copying an older machine that he got from Holland that was from Arabia through the Cordoba Caliphate and might go back even to BC times. But this machine basically is a pendulum that swings a pen. So and you're telling can, me the copy machine is a copy this is a fax <laughs> machine it's even more than a copy machine because it's a radio transmitter copy machine but yes it, the fax machine was faxed wow. across the world you know <laughs> and it really does work i mean you can send a signal and draw a picture and like so they had amazing capacity to do this you could send a picture of the alamo to That's moscow cool right I mean, so imagine the train companies that had this stuff. So right? we can so, rebuild this right now. Like, look at how oh, simple yeah. that looks. Let's all just I'm pan telegraph. Sure we need to 3D print this. That's a good point. I'm oh, going to look into making that happen. That's a good idea. Um, another super chat was Travis. Thank you. Yeet. He says, all the cool people are in the chat. Yeah, see, that's a... Uh, it's also a couple of cool people outside the chat, and we're we're, we're not cool enough. We're not. We're cool. ambiently in the chat. Katie, <laughs> Katie says more drone school money. Yes, so please uh, send us more drone school money. Is that? I hope that's for me, so I can learn how to use a drone. I don't know if that's what you're saying because it's not. Don't don't support drones droning schools or something. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Stefan, yes, most vols are real, but some nuclear volcanoes are real, but some nuclear meltdowns and or caustic mud flood events are a cover for casting and kneeling over decades a huge grand bell. Interesting. What do you think about the idea of volcanoes being, you know, like we were saying, this research that they might be meltdowns from nuclear reactors or something like that? I mean, dude, like, I'm pretty sure, like, anything's possible, nothing new under the sun, you know what I mean? Those things do look like waste piles, I mean, clearly. But, dude, there are some of them that are obviously real. I mean, that's all <laughs> That's all I'm saying, you know what I mean? I can't, black or white is gray. It's always gray. So to what degree? Well, uh, do you think so? Is that, so is, I've seen videos where it's like Australia doesn't exist or something like that. And that's really I've been there. Yeah, it's yeah. there. No, 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 yeah. no, no. Or North but, Dakota. 
But do you think that they're just saying volcanoes aren't the way you think they are and they're just really bad at it saying that? They're just not good at communicating? It's like it's like the planet Earth has a huge zit and instead of stuff coming out, it's hot lava, dude. It's real, bro. But they're saying they don't think that like there are that these are just CGI. Is that <laughs> what is that? Like going to Hawaii, dude. You know what I'm saying? Like it, it's like it, the land is getting bigger because the it's like this is the kind of where I, the rubber meets the road. That guy can hold it back right there. Right. That dude, guy that, is doing chi, dude. Ball. He's sending yeah. chi balls at the. <laughs> oh my word! This is Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. Stop. Stop. <laughs> Earthquake volcano. Let me see if I can pull. That's what pull. That is pull this up here there's a website volcanodiscovery.com which is a great website it shows you where earthquakes and volcanoes are happening around the world uh, in real time and reports from all of the uh, you know seismographic uh, centers that are studying them and you can see you know where and you can predict them I, I had this on my phone for a long time with alerts with a robot voice and it started to really <laughs> Yeah, that's and a that good way to drive yourself insane. Yes, because the thing, though, I, I lived at my parents' house this was years ago, and I left my phone in my room a lot, and I'd leave. And my dad would be like, I don't want, you know, I don't need to know when a volcano <laughs> goes off on the other side of the world. I don't want to know when a volcano goes off on the other side of the world. It makes me nervous. So, like, um, Exertus, ask your friend, too, because I've heard this through, like, conversation over the years and stuff. Um you know, like geology, it's like hard to, uh, you know, scoff at things that we like, oh, we pulled it out of the ground, literally, you know what I mean? So that kind of stuff is interesting. But I've heard in the past, and it could be completely wrong. I know I'm wrong like 90% of the time on most of the things. So, but I've heard that, you know, because geology is so spitting up stuff from underneath, right? So I've heard in the past that it's can, volcanoes can spit up like uh, rare minerals, right? Oh, yeah. So, so that could be interesting, too, because when I lived in Montserrat, for example, they were paying the average person, I think it was 5,000 EC, which is like, I don't know, like 2,000 pounds, which is like, you know, whatever, to move, to get out. And so a lot of people speculate, say, well, what if this thing's shooting out rubies and diamonds and sapphires or plutonium? Who knows what? I don't know. Right. Or uranium, uranium or plutonium. Then that's the one that made the Oklo reactor so interesting is that they had 16 uh, natural, accordingly, plumes where like linear accelerators, this uh, depletion of uranium was happening. And something like it went from uh, a contents of 0 0.720 to 0 0.17 or 717. So a, a decent loss in the amount of uranium through actual natural breaking down energy being used. It's it's sheer probability that at this point in the arc of science that we're beginning to shed the material confinements because our environment is showing us like, hey, here are um, physical materials defying these laws of thermonuclear dynamics that we once held to be law. Uh, you know, we're seeing that the 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 boundary between one material and another is a lot more fluid uh, than we once imagined. And really, all of the environment is going through a sort of alchemical process. And uh, here's an example of it. There was another one that was it was natural fiber optic uh, ah. in the ocean. You saw that, right? There's uh, different kinds of corals and things that produce natural uh, fiber optic that can just grow 
And so, you know, we even are trying to genetically modify and we like Facebook meta or whatever, are trying to genetically modify it to grow faster so they can, instead of laying cables, just have it yeah. grow. Right? Yeah. Bro, this is like where they're like, oh my God, we just printed a human ear. We just, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, think about this, like as above, so below and all that. Right. So you're telling me if you could print, we're in theory, you know, we're going to be able to print sheep, human being ear, whatever, liver on Thursday, whatever. Well, what about this earth? And then you got some of these people that are like, yo, we found block work like hundreds of feet underground. So sometimes I wonder too, like you could take it out of context and say like, this is a volcano. That's it. Period. Point blank. But you could be like, you could zoom out further and be like, well, planet earth seems to be like built at some level. So (laughs) I mean, I don't know where to stop with it. You know what I'm saying? You've ever seen a Scott, on Stott's secret teachings of all ages. Sorry, I had to go full robot so I could type that. But yeah. uh, this guy, no, oh, no, no, that's the wrong one. I'm sorry. Secrets in plain sight. I'm thinking man. Oh, I love Secrets that documentary, bro. Yes. Dude, so the idea that everything, I mean, when you start breaking it down, Scott does an amazing job showing like, okay, well, a meter coming from the metric system, coming from the hermetic system, hermetrics, and that these uh, appear in nature. But then you start saying, okay, well, where does it end? Because all of a sudden you see that these patterns, sure, they've built some of these. I can handle the idea that someone's building some of these patterns. But when you start saying, okay, what about the proportions between uh, everything? Yeah, I want a good picture of it. I can't find like this. You guys don't like if you guys haven't seen this documentary, it's about what six to eight hours of coincidences in geometric, perfect geometric uh, at global scale. And that don't just happen. It's just too weird. Hey, and uh, and uh, Metis, right? And Demeter, their names etymologically have that that meter scale in it, right? It's it's about uh, you know, geology because they're all like underworld goddesses and stuff or agriculture, you know, something that comes from the earth naturally. Mm-hmm. Right. And you can see, like, so here's this example of where, you know, perfect uh, squares are in unison and in perfect uh, proportionality. But then he goes further and he's like, okay, but then these are on natural ley lines, you know, that actually exist that are connected to the idea of the coast and where they're at and why it's five, five, five or six, 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 zero or connected with, uh, you know, the firmaments where, where the sky reaches the earth or the distance of the continent and how, how you measure it also depends like the resolution. If you measure every inch along the coast and bend it, then you have a lot longer of a line than if you have a general line. So they've created, you know, a way of looking at it, which is of course this measurement, but it's, you could look at it differently and get a different measurement. So of course you have to look at it this way or else, you know, <laughs> and five, five, five is, is marked on. Uh, That's terrifying. Cause right now you disappeared and the queen just appeared in the Caribbean, <laughs> which is exactly what I was thinking. The other option would be. That's where she went. You know, <laughs> that's it. Yo, real talk though. When I was there, I was at school. It was, it was crazy. It was like my, maybe my junior year in uh, uh, high school. And uh, one day we were at school and the schools had combined, like one had gone away because it got hit by their uh, volcano. So we were all in one school. And so we look off the coast one day and this uh, British destroyer drops anchor and the chopper flies in. They pull all the kids out of school and we're in uniform. We all have to stand at attention as we get basically like inspected by like, you know, like 16th in line to the crown. Wow. I mean, yeah. And so Edward used to wear uh, pink shorts. And so also the, you know, um, 
like going to Bermuda and going to uh, the Caribbean in general, like always the shorts, the Royals wearing shorts, you know, instead of wearing their pants all the time. So I wonder also about that. Like there's some sort of a reason. Yeah. How did that go? You got dressed down by some Royal guy. He comes over. He's like, all right. His children look pretty snappy. What's going on? (laughs) Tell me your ABCs. Let's go. Like, well, how did that go? Please, just whatever you do, just always stay in there. Like Lord of the were, you, were you wearing, but like, were you, I mean, this is such a tedious issue, but was it like ACDC? Were you wearing the knicker shorts or? <laughs> uh, no, you had okay. khaki pants and a white button up. That was, See, that seems too warm. I don't know. <laughs> I know what, it's not weird. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, because in, in the, they're part of their uniform. And when I say uh, Australia, you got to wear a hat too. They get like the big boonie hats and shit. Hmm. Crazy. Dude, so uh, I'm good. Wear it. Wear it or else. I got a weird glitch just now. I hope that wasn't going to last. But uh, try that again. Mars, son. Doug, can you, uh, can you repeat yourself? Yeah, I was just oh, you, the Australian hat. That's all. You got a little Your Australian glitch. is making you. Yeah, roboting. You might want to jump out and jump back jump in. Out. Exactly. Your Australian yeah. voice is clipping. <laughs> Man, so the idea that there was a giant uh, end to the Crusades that might have been in the 1560s, I think that's something to consider. There was another thing I wanted to pull up. We talked about the Doherty thing earlier. Did we know? Yeah, that five, five, fives on the uh, the Masons, um, the tomb for Hiram, right? Right. There's a five, five, five on Hiram, but Hiram. Yeah. On his... Uh, yeah, or well, on the casket that they show in the uh, pictures that they draw of his casket, they have a five, five, five on there. And then it's also there's a giant that's coming out of the ground in Washington D.C. and that's five hundred and fifty-five feet. Also, is that matches up with the obelisk? Yeah, is that uh, supposed to be like a measurement of his coffin? Um, the five, 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 like a, a, some sort of it's a it's a coded. I think it's a coded secret of of. Uh, well, you know, want us to, you know, the, to out. the concept of Solomon's right. temple is that it's a temple built in the dimensions of a man. So my thought is maybe that it's, it's a, you know, pointing at that somehow like the, the you are Solomon's temple, dude. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yep. it's, a, it, there, you know, so many layers, but yes, yeah, so that's definitely a layer of it. Yeah. Okay. Because you are God, bro. You're God. Yeah. That's the five, five, five one right there. Oh, wow. This Look one here. That. Yeah, I see the, the five on each side of the pillars and then the five in the middle at the bottom. Oh, yay. There you go. go down further, right? Yeah. And so those measurements are important to them for some reason. I'm not, you know, that's one of the reasons, but there's probably, there's always uh, 33 degrees, important degrees in a circle that you can look at something from a certain viewpoint that you're going to look at the thing that's in the center and you're going to understand it in a different light. And so they always have things that, there's 33 ways at least to look at it or 365 or 360 ways of looking at it. But you only need 33 of them to really see that viewpoint. Wow. What, right. what degree are we again? What do you mean? What degree are you guys in your knowledge? Are you asking us if 30, we're 30, initiated? <laughs> Yo, that was nice. So your man said nice answer, cock and ready to rock, bro. No, <laughs> no one, none of us here are initiated. Chris, stop asking that. You're killing the, the problem, vibe. The whole problem with being initiated is like they make you keep secrets, and yeah. that wouldn't yeah. really do very well for a YouTuber. Yeah, one or two times, dude. Like I seen a KRS one, and he was talking about like all this occult stuff, whatever, and he was talking about like how he says that he's considered a 33rd degree by mate, like 
You know what I mean? True. Okay. Not, you could be a mason at sight. It's the same way. Or dogma that it's the same way. Manly P. Hall is a mason. It's just an award that you're given so that they can kind of. Pike was also uh, yeah. initiated in a single person lodge, like a instantaneous lodge created to initiate him because he was right. self-taught. So I, I think like any like listen, the people that we talk to, I mean, is there just the people that you have reached to and talked to are like if they're not thirty third degree. Cause I could see a lot of Masons who are kind of, you know, just regular ass Joes. They just want to drink and whatever. And a lot of the people you talk to are probably at some level more enlightened. Yeah. I but. think that a Mork is kind of an interesting group as well. Rosa Christian, a Mork. I mean, they're you get initiated a- by mother earth, right? Th- the, the feminine entity initiates us all. I see, I see more, I see more a Mork uh, than I see Freemason, like literal, you know, that group. Like, you see more of this group? Like yeah, more, yeah. I mean, you know, well, well where you are, far. where you it's live in, in California, it's like home base <laughs> for that group. True, that that's true. Sounds right. Yeah, that's a good point. But I mean, the the thing is, when you get to a certain uh, awareness of information, then yes, you can be accepted because you know the grammar of the handshake and the communication. That's yeah. always been the goal. Sure. is to be able to go to and this is like every uh story about like masons in the holocaust or something like that they're like we found each other because we knew our secrets and we were yeah. able to keep them it's like know? uh it's like matt damon in that movie you know like he didn't go to college but somehow he was smarter than all the all the people in the college so they just gave him a, a dang is goodwill hunting uh yeah. a, a hall pass yeah that's that it a, goodwill hunting it's a, well, that movie is about albert pike i never thought of it like that yeah. he's albert pike because he's like he lived in it he's in the university he's grown up in this in the infrastructure and surrounded in it so why would you have to visit the school that you lived at your whole life you know because it's like suzuki method bro that's right? ill that's that's ill thought right because it's like and that mark and i we always talk about this too it's like how much are is the regular person inducted in the occult way of thinking due to watch Star Wars? You watch this, you watch, you know, you read this comic book. You, how much of CNN is putting these thoughts in your head on a daily basis, your whole life as an American citizen? Right? Yeah. Initiation. I mean, really, like initiation is something that is sought after consciously. So I, while I agree with you, I think we're all bathed in it. Right. You're gonna have to just talk like a robot because I don't want you to have to leave. But like, if you could it's just do a robot, rattling. but if you do a robot voice, I will. I'll, That's I'll, a, we can hear you. We can hear you. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, go, I'll go. I'll go plug and unplug. Uh, uh, but initiation is uh, is sought after. It's 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 that is a part of the initiation is actually waking up. Can you say that like a robot? Initiation, is, teacher. Initiation is sought after consciously. I'm gonna plow up. I'll be right back. That was that was worth it. I loved that. That was amazing, dudes. <laughs> He's a pro. Oh my god! But yeah, I mean, like, so the the Albert Pike connection. I also think of uh, Christian Murdy, the kid who was told he had to be somebody. They're like, bro, you're going to be our savior. No, 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 bro. You're going to be our antichrist, bro. Like, and he's just like, can I just not, can I just be myself? Is that going to be all right? You and yet. Know, do you guys know how they find the Dalai Lama? What? I saw that movie with uh, uh, Keanu Reeves as a kid. What does that have to do with Krishnamurti, Chris? Dude, you're talking about, you come out of the womb, they're like, bro, you're going to be our savior. You're going to be our right. You're going to be whatever. The way they find the Dalai Lama is they, once the old Dalai Lama dies, they go find the new one by asking all these babies specific questions about the old one's life or some sh- stuff like that. And with the one that gets all the one, get nails it. 
is like, oh, you must be him. Bada bing, bada boom, it's the new Dalai Lama. Have you guys seen uh, the little Buddha with Keanu Reeves as Siddhartha? Keanu Reeves, a.k.a. the lead member of the band Dog Star. <laughs> that's pretty, it's a pretty esoteric Canadian reference. It's yeah. important. Dude, I think you're talking about Neo right now, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see this. Ke- I don't even know this. Keanu Reeves, Dog Star. You didn't know he was in a band called Dog Star? Oh, dude. He was all connected in the scene, dude. He was hanging out with, um, with like, uh, dude, he I looks like forget. Tim Pool. That's hilarious. He was hanging That's out with Dave scary. Navarro. He does look like Tim Pool. Um, he was hanging out with David She's Lynch. Uh, right over the pickups. That's a bad sign, man. You want to like get up on the fretboard? It's gonna be bad. <laughs> yeah, no one said he was a good musician, but he hung out with musicians, and uh, yeah, he also hung out with this woman who uh, I think, based on some research I did. Uh, they ritualistically sacrificed him and and uh, Marilyn Manson and some other rock stars. So yeah, Keanu Reeves was uh, kind of connected in the rock scene in L.A. Aww. dude, that makes if sense. You, if you look at Ted Theodore Logan, you know what I mean, at Bill S. Preston Esquire, I feel like you will find out that these are some of the most, you know, righteous dudes in in all space and all time. You know what I mean? If you, I just think so. <laughs> I mean, their message is be excellent to each other. I mean, it's like, yeah. bro, I'll, I just want to say, like, honestly, Bill and Ted, like, saved and changed my life. And I'm working on a uh, fact. Yeah, I'm but gonna is, build, I'm going to build San Dimas and we're going to save the man. Here's the here's the real question. <laughs> is Bill and Ted's excellent adventure the prequel for the Matrix, like the real prequel for the prequel of the Matrix? Huh. Interesting. Is the oh, Matrix just the mean, future? Man. It's just the they future. Stuck in the game, and they yeah. Hey, the dog star never uh, processes, right? It never has uh, um, our processes, and never it never moves when we start the procession. Hmm. There, there's there's uh, uh, the Pleiades and and the dog star, which is serious, right? Is it stays the same no matter what? It doesn't actually move when all the other uh, planets move. Dude, what's that thing with Google? Uh, Are the stars space? and you know the constellations? Everything else shifts, but it doesn't shift. It, what's it called? Google Space or Google? What is it called? Where you can look at it? Google and Sky. It, Google Sky. I think yeah. it is. So there was a thing where like the entire dog star was blacked out on Google. Yes, I remember that. Yeah. There it is, right here. It's like this is if you were to look at it, you got this. I have a version of it with a smiley face, but. <laughs> They definitely didn't want you to know what was going on in the dog star. I mean, it's the most interesting star to look at because of the uh, changes in shape and colors. And I've always noticed when I first look at Sirius, it'll do some really interesting like red color shifts. And then as I look at more, it kind of settles in. So if you look away from it a while, you know how kind of when you look at a clock, you might see it like the second hand doesn't move for a second, then it starts moving once you're observing it. I've always mm-hmm. serious does strange things when you first gaze upon it and then it kind of settles into a more regular pattern, but you can look at it just with binoculars or a good camera zoom. And uh, there's good videos of this on YouTube of it changing shapes, like in a pattern of colors and shapes and, you know, looks, looks nothing like the other stars, you know, have you seen an electric universe where they show, they, they believe by their theory that we're, we're moving, you know, outwards from the from the galaxy and that we're going in a spiral and it's actually sitting at the center of the spiral that's why it doesn't move during our procession 
that we're look we're looking at the polar. I mean, uh, I I imagine these are some kind of uh, either uh, uh, light projectors or um, uh, like muses, like uh, uh, energy projectors that uh, that affect our our moods and our dispositions, or like uh, you know, uh, somnolescence, uh, uh, light, uh, sound producing light in a water medium, and that's what we're kind of seeing and. I like the uh, the Greek and the Roman interpretation of that. It's, these are actually our muses that are kind of guiding our uh, um, our phases as people, as well as like the um, the ages that we live in and what they represent. I just saw Holly send a super yeah. chat. I tried to show it, but somehow it already. But Holly, thank you for the super chat. And she says, "Cool is greater than drone stuff." I was pretty sure is what that emoji meant. Having said that, I think yeah, people are trying to get us to do drone stuff. I don't know how you figured this out. I don't think we mentioned this, but drones are like, let's just, it's an imminency. That's about, it's about to be a thing. So interesting that you guys are bringing that up. We'll be doing some drone stuff soon. Um, but let's see, there was instinct. Then where was that Leo Zagami thing? I had a paper that Leo Zagami wrote. Is that here anymore? I think it's gone. Let's just do the uh, Doherty thing for a second. So Doug and I were looking at this earlier. It's this idea that when a computer gets fast enough that you can interact with it, uh, I think it's like 400 microseconds or something like that, that you, if you push a key and you can type the next key and you can type a word, right? You can continue on with that flow of thought, but this is getting so much more for the, for the metaverse. What it means is like you could put on a helmet and it could create the next step as you step there and it can create your reality all around you as it's happening because it can start to model uh, and interact with you in a, a fast enough time that you can feel like it, the illusion of reality that gets happening instantaneously. And the main thing that they found that it was useful for why corporations felt like studying this was this made you buy their product, right? Because if you could keep using the dang thing, this is one of the reasons the iPhone was so popular. Like you could just not put it down afterwards, right? Because it has, it's beaten the Doherty effect. So we're getting to this point where everyone's used to instantaneous uh, responsiveness. And that means that we're not very patient either. That's also a problem. People aren't willing to wait for a video to download or load. Even if it's a Yes. Even if it's a better video. Yeah, and they're not willing to sit through a video either. Have you heard of the hydrogen uh, theory where that it, it's all just one hydrogen atom, everything in the world, and it's just moving at different rates depending on where it is, where you're at and everything, and it's moving so fast, it's faster than our, our ability to process. One uh, hydrogen theory. Let me see if I can find anything. That sounds amazing. Yeah, I don't know exactly what it what it's called, but it's basically they're saying that there's just one hydrogen atom and it's moving everywhere and it just slows down at different rates for different materials and stuff like that. So we see everything because we're just moving slower than it can move. It can move everywhere instantaneously, basically. Man, so that, and that's another question. Do you think we're all instantaneously connected everywhere at once? Or are you, like, Andres, are you aware that you're screen sharing a YouTube page right now? Oh, really? Yeah, Thank we weren't seeing me. we weren't seeing whatever you were seeing. I noticed your mouse was moving, so I'm like, he must be so clicking on about things. All the stuff I was looking at. Yeah, was we saw gone. none of that. We saw none of that. There was this for a while, and I was equating. How, you know, it's funny because I feel like for someone listening to a podcast, this would happen anyway. Yeah, I wouldn't even, I sometimes you I just even visualize talk about it. it. The page like, just sat on before this one is interesting because that reminds me a lot of um, like where we're talking about the, the stars or when you look at the planets and how they kind of change shapes and stuff like that. Mm. The hydrogen. Well, and I wonder how much of that is like, 
you're lining your eyes up with a source of light that you wouldn't otherwise catch. And it's like, you're engaging with that band of light. And like, as the lights coming towards you, you're like seeing more of it. I don't know, but it's certainly, I've, I've seen similar things looking at the star, like a change in color, almost to the point where you're like, is that, is that like a plane or something? Like, why did it just change from orange to blue? You know? Yeah. Fluctuations in the wave of what light looks like. It's burning off different elements, right? Mm. But yeah, the question is, are we all interacting with, you know, all matter and energy in each other all the time? I think, I think it's pretty obvious. I mean, you talk about things that you see evidence of in nature, you know, when you uh, see, uh, what, what do you call them? Uh, uh, the mushroom colonies, my, my, mycelium, my, mycelium, yeah, yeah. mycelium colonies and stuff like that. Um, and how they interact uh, with the tree roots and everything. And of course we're exchanging carbon dioxide and oxygen with trees and all that. And our, the melanin in our body is also producing oxygen. And then there's a finite amount of oxygen in our atmosphere. So it seems pretty evident that everything is, is, is deeply tied to everything else. And, um, we're all know, each other, everything. I've- that you guys were talking about in the first hour is it was so interesting because the Aleister Crowley thing, like summoning the demon. And it, it really tied in with me with the idea of people who believe the volcanoes are just mining waste piles because mm. of reality is perception and we can all influence each other to perceive things that are wildly um, out of um, that don't, the rubber doesn't hit the road where we don't actually see, we, we can't do anything with that information. You know, if we're, if we're not summoning the demon just by allowing all um ideas to kind of be equal with each other even if this guy's seen a volcano erupt and other people say that there are no volcanoes if we allow all these ideas to hold equal weight with each other are we not summoning the demon by disconnecting ourselves with the evidence of nature and what actually is going on yeah i think that technology is the way that people are used to now it used to be that you like explain something like well this thing is the grinder it eats the pencil and you get a sharp tooth pencil that you can you know i've seriously like people used to explain this to kids and now kids are like oh it's like a microchip and it does a thing that's the natural way to think it's because the mechanical nature is so so much more practical and useful for this person that's never been in outside organic nature before i mean all kind of thinking this explorative thinking is an artifact of of uh, affluent, of affluent society. Because if you're a farmer and you think that volcanoes don't exist, you think that whatever wheat doesn't exist or rain doesn't make crops grow, you know what I mean? There's this kind of thinking what would be an actual demon if there was like one guy in your farming community who's like, the yeah. wheat is actually an alien or whatever, you know, like you'd have to excommunicate. <laughs> if anyone started entertaining those ideas, you wouldn't be able to farm anymore. You wouldn't have sustenance. So do you guys remember idiocracy where they can't right. how to make plants grow and they're like, electrolytes? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> exactly, dude. Exactly. And these people are like, clouds don't exist. You're like, stupid. Look up. Like- I think the problem is like so many people. <laughs> so this is my theory on this, right? So there's like a level of, um, and I got this by accident from Jerry Seinfeld's uh, speech at the commercial, whatever it was, where he yes. won like the the award for the best commercials. And he says, you know, I love commercials because I don't care when the product gets here. I'll get another commercial and I'll be hopeful for that product when the product gets here i'm happy like from when i order that product on the phone and see the commercial up until it arrives and when it arrives it lets me down but then i have a new commercial and then i keep dreaming about the next thing so the product never has to match the commercial the commercial is the most brilliant part because it's the magic right you know i think that's a huge 
that's a huge thing for people. So we're living in this perpetual, uh, you know, create a dream, uh, and that's, and that can be valuable, but it also destroys people because they become cynics. A lot of people say, okay, well, I'm never going to buy something again. That hovercraft from mad magazine was a ripoff, you know? So I think this is the next step in understanding is that these things that are pushing us forward and progressing us are always related to these deletes. Oh, they cut him because it was so deep. Say it again, Giant. Uh, be connected to Giant. Say it, say it again. Doing these pushing, you know what I mean? Say it again. Uh, they cut sorry, you off. What I was okay. What I was saying is that these entities that we consider demons and stuff like that are interacting with what we call the elites and everything. Right? Am I still going? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So they're what they're doing is their purpose. If you look at the Hindu epics and stuff like that, they're the Nagas and everything, and their purpose is if you read all the different stuff that they're talking about, their purpose is to push forward humanity by putting pressure on us, causing strife and wars and stuff like that so that we progress forward to the technological advancement that we'll eventually use either to free ourselves or enslave ourselves, right? It'll either get a grip of us if we don't take control of it or it'll enslave us because the ones that are behind pushing the progress are the ones that actually don't they 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 live in this world in a different way they're they're a part of the duality that is about domination and negativity and all this stuff and they're warlike so if we don't get to a point where we realize what they're doing and take hold of what they're building right what they're pushing us forward through because humans good humans and, and good in this world that part of the duality just wants to seek balance wants to be fair you know what i mean we just want to harmonize we want to have fun and we would stay in like you know small tribes we wouldn't have progressed farther than hunter and gatherer their job is to push us forward so that they can push this technology thing and it in and what it's doing is, is that they're getting to a point where they can free the more of the demonic spirits, but we have to get to the point and the Buddhists are trying to free these, these sentient beings that are, that are locked inside of, of this, uh, you know, underworld or a lot whatever, of Buddhist right? programmers just saying, yeah. So we're, we're trying to, what they're, what the, what I believe is the point, the mission of humanity and what we're supposed to be doing is we have to figure out how to unlock these things and release them from the lostness that they have become from their demonic energies and stuff like that. And they want to release it because, and they will not stop doing what they're doing because they just have this, this programming in them to release themselves and then they'll wreck havoc. And so what keeps on happening is these resets is that they keep on wrecking havoc to the point that God has to reset things because it, we didn't figure out that we had to fix them. You see what I'm saying? We had to, we had to make them. It's it's that veil. So you, you know, again, they're broken, uh, but they're pushers. Well, yeah. So, I mean, you think again with the Jerry, no, no, no. I was just going to say like Jerry said with Jerry Seinfeld, you know, you get this product, people actually are thinking it's a veil. So you're believing that you live in a world with Santa Claus and with flying ships you can buy from magazines and where, you know, the vacuum is going to work and everything like that. And when that veil's lifted, there's a huge amount of the population, which is primed because they've lifted the veil. They know that it's a lie, but they stay there. And that's where so many people are like, well, then the volcano is not what it's cracked up to be. And Australia, you know what? It's not what I thought it was. So it's just might as well not exist. And Paris, you know, I went to Paris. It did not look like it did in the magazine. So I don't think I was really in Paris because the magazine was real. But the place that must have been some cacophony. You know, I think that most people deny reality uh, because they're so used to denying the veil, which has been lying to them all their lives. They're not ready to start 
picking up on like these other the impacts of their lives that are true. Yeah, well, that requires uh, responsibility. That requires attention and a willingness to engage with reality. And and it's far easier to just look forward to something great that might happen because they told you to. I, I think must have big problem with, uh, with othering. Like you know, there's there's demons that are you know uh, elites are trying to set loose the demons, aliens or have us on a farm. Like all these kinds of ideas. Because when I look at uh, basic human behavior, this is how we treat every other species, right up until chimpanzees, which are the most similar to ourselves. So like if we'll if we'll put an alligator in a zoo and we'll put an eagle in a zoo and we'll put a chimpanzee in a zoo, of course we'd put a human in a zoo too. And if we'd use um, uh, pesticides on an ant that target their reproductive systems. We do it to people too. So I feel like we don't, we almost don't really need the boogeyman of demons. Mm. Well, and how, how much I of- wish we obsess more about bonobos because they just have sex and <laughs> masturbate instead of fighting each other, but yeah, problem solving skill. My point is, this yeah. is the people we're just as close to them. We never say, Hey, we're like bonobos. That's right. I'm just, that's right. If you want, oh, all right. But I'm with you. I'm with you there. Yes. Stop humans from doing this to each other. So I think, you know, uh, it's it's a philosophical problem. But if there's demons, they're free. You know, like what are they, what are are they worse than pedophilia and human trafficking and the guy that uh, um, uh, beheaded the mother in the street in California? Like, the, did the demons have worse ideas than that? Is it just like the cover of Dante's Inferno where they're like pitchforking people? And, you know, I mean, like, how bad are they that we don't already have them trumped? What are they going to do when they get here? Well, because well, they're in, they're interacting with us, we're not really different than them. There's there's an interaction that's happening. We're living in a duality. The yep. ones of the worst yeah. nature right. are these things, these entities, right? It's a way of thinking about it. And I'm not just being direct about it. You know what I mean? It's like these things are the worst case scenario. And what they try to do is they're trying to influence the balance of energy towards the negative. They're pushing it in. You see what I'm saying? And so if you are a part of this duality you're able to get influenced by it because well, it's a test right it, you gotta you gotta pass the test is it that it, is it that the demons are inherently bad or is it that bad people have kept everyone ignorant of it so that they're the only people who are able to interact with them and they're using their energy relationship with these beings for negative really means good. i mean i'd be pretty pissed off if i was an energy being meant to protect the planet and the only people that came to me were rich douchebags who had greedy intentions okay so earlier today i interviewed uh, I, inter I, I interviewed this guy uh from mexico from the yucatan and he was talking a lot about kukakan uh, amongst other things and one of the interesting things about it is this was a temple to venus and the connection we have to venus to uh lucifer right lucifer lucifer is that a ph phosphore is supposed to be about and if you like Go to Wikipedia even if we do this, it's like a Venus right there. Uh folklore associated with the planet Venus, the femininity, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, bright morning star. So we have this idea that it's evil, but it's really like, hey, if all these groups are worshiping, uh, worshiping, and that's an interesting word also, because what are they doing? They're doing math and they're doing science and they're hanging out and building this giant architecture uh and doing these cacao rituals, which sounds pretty cool to me. I'm all about cacao. Uh then to Venus. Venus is a more interesting thing. We, we're always obsessing with Mars. The Soviets were all about Venus, right? Venus is the thing that we should be more interested in. It has an atmosphere. Could, I don't know. I'm curious. What do you guys think about it's, Venus? It, it's pushing us forward toward something. So it has a job. Like the duality cannot exist without the what we consider the dark. So that, that's kind of what I'm asking, though. Do you think it's really a duality? I keep coming back to this. Is good and evil like a duality? 
it's on a scale, right? And there's uh, the very worst end of the scale and there's the very best end of the scale, right? And and this thing is, you know, there's a, there's a portion of this thing that we call existence that lives on the very, uh, you know, whatever you want to call it, the dark, the, the very far rifts. And that thing is that way of like looking at it, you can say that that is being lost or upside down or there's all these descriptive ways of, of thinking about it. It likes to do things like are considered domination and stuff like that. And we all have it in us. Right. And so it tests us to seek because what God's trying to do, I would say the ultimate mission of what is going on is it's trying to perfect itself. So it needs to sit there and bounce negativity off of positivity to see what the reactions are and then gauge a new path and keep gauging a new path until it learns how to make things balanced and fixed. You see what I'm saying? So we're always going to start off with something that seems more uh, more loss, more in the dark, right? No less and start gaining knowledge and start implementing new tools and start implementing new understandings from taking uh, an interaction and learning from it and then re-engaging. And so you're going to constantly keep on refining and refining. Everything has a process. Like, what are we doing in this world? Everything is uh, a here's how you you add these two things together, right? It's magic. You add these things together and then you get this outcome. Math does that, everything. So it's trying to find the ultimate outcome. So if you take like uh, phi and pi, I believe it's like the golden ratio and phi or something like that. One of them has a number and the other one has a number that's very close and it keeps on getting closer and closer and closer as it gets down the line, right? So this is what Sophia is about. This is what they're doing in the occult and everything is they know that over time we gain wisdom and we can eventually break the code. We can figure out exactly how it is that you can balance things and perfect them. So we're, we're building things more technically, you know, the technology just keeps on gaining over time. But I, I would say that this reset kind of uh, thing that we are exploring and looking at is when we get down the line and we have, we have, grown technology to a certain point, but we haven't learned how to use it dynamically enough. And so it's probably this time when we're able to engage with each other like we are now, because we have no proof in the past that we've ever been able to engage like this. Well, it seems like even if there is, even if there is a dynamic, then they might've made it about good or evil or worse, made it about femininity and masculinity because they said, okay, then all the darkness is feminine. We're gonna take all the Venus temples and say, this is the darkness. This is the, the evil. I mean, that's part of their game, right? And Mars is the embodiment of war. So if you've got two dominant superpowers and one is trying to move towards love and one's trying to move towards war, I don't know what that means. It's just kind of another interesting way to look at it. Right. But also, again, we had a female, uh, like Artemis is a female uh, lunar. um, Yeah. yeah, And so you've got a number of examples with uh, super, uh, super soldier females who are the goddesses. And then Mars, Mars had a female goddess at one point uh, in the, in the previous eras uh, involved with the, the Canaan uh, lands and the Etruscans as well. Maris, Maris was associated with the child God and then was a birth from the you know from the mother right and so there's also the idea that there's all the stars have gone through and all those planets and earth itself have gone through a gender swapping uh transition that has also been a new they're new icons new versions of all the worlds and they're different than they were before this change happened in the celestia well that's is minerva and athena and evil the dichotomy of good and evil it's it's really not as i mean we we, it's evident in nature you know uh, i mean 
is it good that when uh you know spiders copulate then the woman eats the head off of the man i know it's just the way it is you know if it's good anybody wants to eat spiders i am not uh no spiders eat each other dude come on now (laughs) that's no excuse mark no i'm just kidding I think we can all, all <laughs> suffering is undesirable, whether or not what good and evil really are. Like there's ways to alleviate suffering. Suffering is like a bad vibration. It begets more suffering and no one really likes it. So I think if we, I don't know. So that's another weird one. So suffering and Catholicism, let's go there. Suffering. <laughs> Catholicism. Cause I was, I was raised with a lot of Catholicism. And so the, for me, suffering was described as what happens when you're pulling a muscle up uh, with a weight in your arm and it's getting stronger. So, and so, definition of it that's it yeah it strengthens you yeah there's there's good aspects to every single thing the negative whereas anxiety is anxiety is maybe different but also anxiety can provoke you to do good things and so maybe suffering if we don't have enough suffering you also think about people that have no feeling and they get the lack of sensation and they start to invent new sensations and stand 40 in bed that's what jaya was just saying about strength training you know what i mean with the you're talking about we was had to get go through all these things so we could eventually come out with the technology so that right we were talking about that's strength training to me bro and i just yeah, you're like, building right so i hear you right but let's go check the op- opposite buddha jesus and all of them was pretty chill bro yeah, it's it a feminine aspect it's inevitable but suffering is uh voluntary so there's wait. some questions about Jesus too, because he did have that passage where he's got a sword and he's here with the sword not to bring peace. And I think we might have, you know, it's kind of like the Che Guevara T-shirt. Like it might not be a perfect representation of the. <laughs> wait, Yeshua you're telling character. me he wasn't white? <laughs> what? Hold on a second. Um, black, black Jesus, ironically, probably closer. I don't black know. Madonna. We have talked yeah, about this in the past. Yeah. Uh, another thing that came up in a past episode was wicker, wicking, bending, right? And you said worship earlier now we're talking about suffering uh the original meaning of the or etymology of the word worship would be uh to bend and then uh being right so ship is being and and war would be to bend so you know you're sort of bending the being in the image of the gods are we all in agreement that wikipedia's joke is wikipedia is that (laughs) that's what's going on there i like that description though mark i like that bending and molding toward divinity Mm, yeah and i've seen that book wikipedia and it's not uh it's not a great book there's better books (laughs) that we gotta take on eventually we have to take on the best of both aspects right like i wouldn't sit there and allow anybody to come onto my property or something like that and come and rule over me, right? So I I may have to kill that person if that's what they were going to do. We all have to be ready for something that might be what we consider the negative side of things. But that doesn't mean that we go out and we instigate that. You don't push that forward in this world, but you're able to defend in those ways. So that's where the balance comes in. You can defend yourself, but you don't go and be offensive. You don't go and try to start things. You don't steal things from people. You work hard yourself for your own things, right? You bend your own back to lean down and fucking take care of the plants or whatever it is that you're growing or you're you're feeding off of, right? And I would say eventually you don't do anything but eat plant life if you can. You don't even you don't even put that torture on animals. You know, and once we get to that stage where we can realize that all the nutrition that we ever need and all the things we ever need are right there at our fingertips and we can take care of it ourselves and we don't depend on another living creature that's trying to have experiences in this world to give us 
any sustenance or anything, then we're at that point where we've brought in heaven to earth and then we're going to see the real God here. You see what I'm saying? We're going to see the good God here. And until then, we're going to keep seeing these repeated patterns of our failures facing us face to face. And those things are going to come at us. You know what I mean? That's the thing. Look what's happening in this world. Things are coming at us. You know what I mean? And it's going to get worse because as long as we don't correct some of these things, we have openings. We've opened those portals to what you guys can call demons or whatever you want to label them. You see what I'm saying? Like, I'm not trying to fix us into a black and white version of what this is. I'm just trying to say, open your mind to thinking about this. There's things that are out there that look for those gaps. It tests you and it looks for those gaps in the way that you live. And it's going to come at you right there in those gaps. If you're in the wrong community, they're going to come at your doorstep and they're going to burn it down, right? Like we have these people burning cities. We have them doing all kinds of crazy stuff to us. Only because you didn't choose to be in the right place at the right time. And you have to know the difference of where that right place is, where the right time is, where the right everything is. And that's where you find balance. You can avoid it personally for yourself. And then you got to push it out to others and try to help them avoid it. You see what I'm saying? Because we're not going to fix everything until we all are fixed. Wait, or what? Well, it's just going to keep going on like this. We're going to keep on having to have resets. We're going to keep on getting dominated. We're going to keep on having to deal with something that can have power over us if we allow ourselves to be weak in those points. Like I've said before, what you have to do is repent. What a pent is, is it's a it's a fortification. You have to fortify yourself in every way possible, right? You have to fortify yourself, like control your own food, control your own water, control how it is that your if your house starts coming apart you need to know how to fix it if if you can't get food from the from the store you need to grow it yourself you see what i'm saying and once you do that once you have your own well your own power your own food your own water there's not much that can, then you defend yourself then you learn hey I, i'm gonna go learn jujitsu i'm gonna go learn how to shoot a gun if someone comes onto my property and does anything then i gotta defend it you know? it has to apply it has to apply to everybody so it's not only important to be able to take care of your own homestead and your own family but if you wind up getting that first homeless person or that first kind of drunk person in your community you have to know how to fix that person know how to yeah. broken spirit the same way you'd fix a broken door or um yeah. you know, half isn't being birthed right and that's the kind of stuff we never really examined and it all the philosophy also have to be able to explain to the thief why there's a rule that says it's better to grow your own food than it is to steal someone else's because there is no rule written on the stars that will explain that to someone who has that instinct and there are some people who genetically have the instinct you can call them a gamma male or whatever but it's to uh scavengers produce and then to come take it so uh, you know fix the world and we won't have that but it, to strengthen the whole human, uh, the way the way the demon comes in is because people have uh, innate moral guidelines, but they don't have strong principles because um, to just perform your basic tax tasks in life, like the one you're talking about, your basic self-responsibility for yourself and your family, you end up putting by the wayside. How do you deal with the more difficult problems? of? No, that's just the first step. So what I'm saying is that's the first step. If you can't fix yourself and fix what's going on within your family, then you're never going to be able to work yourself outside the community. I've said this in the past you got to start working your way out to the community you have to know how to interact with your community and what the rules are and if there's rules you don't like you got to learn how to change them you need to know how your community is interconnected what is your waste system all these different things so that's just the beginning because if you don't work on yourself you're never going to have a chance to help anybody else yeah Yeah. we've got a a human species right now that's like 50 percent broken people like at end yeah 
that's a generous assessment. So it's like, it's great that we, we build up our own, we fortify ourselves in our own areas and stuff, but you know, the, the, the demon is out there. It's in Right. It's not one person that is going to be converted. And Jesus had that in the Bible where he's surrounded by people with leprosy, you know? Yeah. So you got it. You got that. That's what you got to do is always, you have to fix yourself first. No matter what, there's nothing ever going to happen until you fix yourself because what right. kind of example are you to anybody else? If you can't fix Pull that plank out of your eye before you. But you have to to defend yourself. (laughs) Yes, and you. You got to work your way outwards, right? First thing, first steps. Your neighbors start offering your neighbors food. Start off in your neighbors like, hey, I'll start adding, you know, a a garden into your home. Right. I'm saying, start teaching people. Hey, look. Why do you guys think that the people who have, who are the most illuminated or like the highest degree or whatever seem to favor suffering and want to sow suffering in the world and free these demons? Like, how is that? A, why, if they have, if they're the most illuminated, they have the most uh, lost and hidden and occulted information. Why is that their move is to increase suffering where I would want to lessen suffering, but I don't have nearly as much information as because, because the de- listen, when you look at these stories in Christianity and everything, these demons are fallen ones. They're the most intelligent ones. It would make sense that the God, if it was like an Abraxas God, right? It created duality. It would have to send down the strongest ones and the most intelligent ones to wait in what we consider hell. would have to sit in a place that is the dark. They would have to figure out how to get out of there. You see what I'm saying? And, and if they couldn't hold on, if they weren't the strongest and they weren't the smartest, they would never be able to figure out how the hell to get out of there. And so this is just the way that the duality has to be framed and has to unravel is that you have these ones that are very intelligent that actually can be invoked through magic rituals and all this stuff to get information from. But their process is, is that they're also they're lost and they're and they're trying to get themselves out of the situation. And so they're going to use the people that they invoke and deal with to get them to get them released you see what i'm saying so they're going to say hey push progress do this thing right i'm i'm going to say i'm athena and i'm telling you as the wizard that this is the information i'll give you and this is what i want from you i want you to do this because once you do this you start getting people more intelligent they all start speaking the same language then i can start creating things from there you see how the unraveling of of the internet and intelligence and all this stuff starts snowballing to get them to a point where they can have a higher uh magic interface with the world so that they can open up portals and stuff like that to get themselves out so the job on the opposite side is that we have to make sure that they don't just get out and wreck havoc and if you look in like the emerald tablets and you look like into things that happened to uh atlantis is that these entities wiggled their way out there's a there's a satan this overload lord of the underground and everything like that and these things wiggled themselves out and they gave technology to these people in atlantis and they started building all this stuff and then it figured out it woke up from a slumber or whatever and it figured out that they had gotten loose and it caused havoc it gotten out of control and then it wakes up and it causes this calamity and brings them back down to the underworld it's very interesting because like I'm I'm like my mind works like much more it's I'm more Jungian, you know, where I always assume all these the demons and the dark ones and the fallen ones, all this to me is metaphorical uh and explaining aspects, uh difficult to uh, understand aspects of the of the human mind and the human working. But you're talking about literal, actual fallen ones who are in a literal place and literally coming out of portals and 
They're well, like, okay. They say so it's an energy. Perhaps they are here's, both. Yeah. Here's the yes, thing I've yes, been wanting to say for a minute. So earlier talking to the, to the, to the Aztec, uh, to the Mayan um, kid from Mexico, Andres, uh, the idea of the Star Trek teleporter, right? It's the Star Trek teleporter, which you'd think of as a pretty decent ontological experiment. If you take a person, you put them somewhere else, or you print them somewhere else after destroying them here, they're exactly the same thing except for their soul, right or wrong? Is there a soul? Is the soul quantum entangled? What is the soul? Are you still the same person? And he was kind of arguing to the, the effect that yes, it could be, but I don't know. Before I go there, what do you guys think? I think energy like sits in a, in a sector, right? And this is how they, if you look at astrology, they're looking at sectors of area just like that 33 degrees they're looking at an angle from the sun right so we move closer during winter and then you know it's equal at the equinoxes and then it's further away at summer but it's at a certain bend and when you look at light if you know anything about like grow lights and anything like that when you look at light depending on what element it's burning it gives you a certain color and that's a certain energy Right. And so it's burning off certain things at a certain level. So the distance we are and the angle we are from the sun causes a different energy. And when you're born into that, right, or, you're, or you go through your, um, you know, you're, you're sitting in your mother's womb and into a certain point, you go through all these gates of energy, these different types of energy, and that creates a personality type. That's why in astrology, you have certain personality types that come out and they seem pretty identical to each other, but it changes depending on also planetary alignments and stuff, which would be like in billiards, it would be the sun's energy bouncing off of different planets and coming to the earth. And then you get those energies too. So it's like, this is a more, you know, further away energy. Crucial to that is we can actually see the stars and see colors. So it's like something that has to be taken into consideration, but I get lost when it comes to like, um, like that, the picture you're showing of like the Catholic priest getting the information with the guy with the face on his butt. Like I've never seen that. I don't know where I can go to. We're about, I'll, you know what? We'll talk about St. Augustine, but let's really quickly, I want to say, cause irrelevant to your point is that Buffy the Vampire Slayer was very Jungian show and every demon represented a human psychological disorder or a mental disease or something like that, that they were gestalt processing, uh, exercising the demons, if you will, which is a fascinating way to go about explaining it. Because then if the soul can jump from one representation to another then the daimon can jump from one representation to another and the the connection there is that i see this activity i see this consequence of choice and action in the faces of every child every man and woman shaped like greed or like you know what i mean the twilight zone where they take right their faces are shaped like their personality flaw yeah but you, you become the thing that consumes you, you know, at a certain point, and all that's left is that thing because then that repeats itself because that is immortal, is that action and that choice beyond the person itself. But hey, Saint Augustine. Oh, but he was the son of Santa Monica, which is important because Santa Monica is named after the patron saint of failed marriages and disappointing children. You might have heard <laughs> me say that before. I, I'm always the first time. <laughs> I, I always think about that whenever I'm in Santa Monica. But uh, yeah, so basically, then Augustine of Hippo, he was. Sorry, you say something? That fits. Yeah, right. It, it fit. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. 
Every time I'm in Santa Monica, I'll be like, happy Santa Monica. Yo, where did they get the name Laguna Beach, bro? Because that's another play. Yo, it's so it's Vortex. All I know about that is it's the Lagoon, right? But I don't, I mean, I think I, we'll have to get into like, you know, the California Island story, right? That's basically. I know the I mean, giant, they say that. This comes up every single episode that I've ever made at this point, but I have to keep reminding. Good. It's good. <laughs> that there was a, a map of California and then they have the, uh, the, oh, what's it called? The Pacific West. Uh, Western Interior Seaway, which is the sciency new version of this map, but it shows you how there were lagoons and where Bakersfield was before Mulholland. It's all flat. It's all on the either the east or the west side of the, the mountains. I mean, like you gotta watch Chinatown because literally the, the point here is that the idea that California looks this way for the last hundred years, two hundred max. But before that, everything was different. And the way we think of things thousands of years ago, because science lets us at least imagine that thousands of years ago, things were the way they were. But no, those those pictures are about times probably into the 15th, 1600s, right? So there's that. But okay, St. Augustine of Hippo started out as a Manichaean. Manichaean. So the Mannies, I love Manny. I did a video on Manny. They believe in dualism, right? This idea that there is an equal good and evil amount to the universe that have somehow, uh, I want to say copulated, swallowed each other. One's birthed out the other one. So death, darkness, and despair, the, the negative side, swallowed light. But that was all part of light's plan because then light ended up in the center of darkness and it can start to permeate itself outwards until eventually you end up with the dark crystal from Jim Henson. I'm pretty oh, sure it's the... Skeksy. But, <laughs> but not just the Skeksy, right? Because the thing is the Skeksy and the, there's a crack in the dark crystal, which is why there's the dark and the light and then they get... Dark and light beings. Yeah, the, the ancient ones and the Skeksis. And then when the moon's aligned again... They uh, recombine into one being. Sorry, I thought that was such a like easy metaphor. I was just like, oh, you know, like dark crystal, like, good. Yeah, exactly. Dark crystal talks about the great conjunctions. Right, right. So there's a crack in the crystal, and it combines together these two uh, galvanized individuals, which are representing polarity. Um, the the polarity. Okay, but then Manichaeism. You've got this uh, Manny. He's written in a comic book instead of a Bible. It's I want to get a copy. It's impossible, but that's it's. He was the best religious illustrator, and there's some gnostic ab- abraxis going on there. And he was very convinced. Here's a little bit of like the kind of stuff he had, and it was pretty sweet. But um, eventually, can you say it again? Can you repeat? Sorry, glitched. It connect it, it connects to the medicine Buddha, all this stuff. So the, the oh yeah. If you look if you look at the history of how it unfolds and everything, that Zoroastrianism basically because it, you know, you never get a real timeline when it comes down to stuff. Historians argue about when it was and all this stuff. But the medicine Buddha, the story of the medicine Buddha is this is supposedly the oldest story of Buddha, in that there's these medicine Buddhas that live throughout the universe. And the one that is specifically set for us in this world um, is trying to find out a mixture that he's mixing in his medicine bowl of how to perfect things. And this is where these stories of the Zoroaster and all this, where he talks about Sophia and wisdom, right? This wisdom character that we will gain over time is the medicine Buddha allowing us to interact with each other. And over time, it will look at our interactions and figure out how to mix up the perfect medicine to fix us. And that the medicine Buddha is coming during this time period. So it matches up with this, you know, the 12th Buddha and the 12th um, Vishnu and the 12th Imam and the 
you know, it's second coming of Christ, right? Did they have like a set date, dude? Because like, you know what I'm saying? Like, waiting. Yeah, so it's, it's, supposed, it's supposed to be, if you follow their secret codes and, and where they put structures and stuff like that, what it looks like is that they believe that that character is going to come in California, in the Bay Area, right. specifically. This is just, just Chris, Chris, Chris. Just so you don't know, this I know you're going to laugh, but the Dalai, the Dalai Lama has been on the CIA's payroll since the Tibet crisis, and yeah, yeah. The, all the paperwork came out in 2018. I have an article I was reading that was from 2011. It's like, no, the Dalai Lama is not, but all of his friends were because we have all that paperwork. 2018 so, rolls around, they're like, oh yeah, he was too. So he is still. Anyway, we used to go. Uh, Giant and I have also in Santa Cruz go to this temple, and there's a seat there which they lock now but i used to sit in because we were teenagers and it's wrong but you know it is what it is which is the dalai lama's throne because they would fly him to santa cruz to the holy mountains because they said this is the spiritual capital of the next uh, eon but okay yeah. jack go ahead hey and this, and this is why they put so originally they put the capital for california they they did it like monterey and then they moved it into san jose and then they moved it from san jose up to sacramento and and they, the sacrament they into the sacrament, which is right by the Chico volcano uh, launch spot, because the volcano has this like area where it launched a bunch of there's a bunch of reservoirs in Sacramento there. Yes, and it, and oh, man, it, it's yeah, a dra- it's a dragon ley line. So you and Elrond Hubbard goes Chris. from Monterey Love all the way to Sacramento. <laughs> yeah, this this dragon ley line goes from the Mon- from Monterey Bay all the way up to Sacramento, and it goes right through San Jose, and it also goes through Diablo Mountains, right where the the cross that um, the uh, um, the, the Zodiac Killer, right? They call him the Zodiac Killer because he put a cross and a circle around the Diablo Hills, right where. The, the thing is, and it's actually, if you look at the geology of California right here, um, it looks like a big snake. And in the mouth, back where the throat is, they found the most mercury that they found, I, I think, pretty much in the whole world. Other, other than that, it's probably second to Spain that they found mercury at the throat of uh, down here near Morgan Hill in San Jose, South San Jose. Dude, and that's why they call it San Jose Mercury News. Right? Right. The Zodiac and, Killer used the, the logo from his watch, which is a Zodiac watch well i'm not he, putting he, up he a would, picture would, of ted he, cruz for any related <laughs> he, he would put he would put the marks he would put the marks that he wrote on the map that he that he sent to them he put it put it right on diablo range and diablo is obviously the devil right so we have we have the santa cruz mountain range and we have the diablo mountain range and they're and they v right there like a cup like a chalice right and it's a lower valley that comes in that's called the the valley you know the great valley silicon valley is the valley part and then the the river that runs up into the bottom of the the bay right there is guadalupe which is the virgin mary and then they have the rosicrucian that's put right there right next to the river system right next to the guadalupe and that's the headquarters of the rosicrucian order so they they put a bunch of different very specific uh, occult places in the in the Bay Area and right along that Dragon Ley line on purpose. Well, right. specifically the Amorc, right? Say it again. You're saying the headquarters of Amorc, not all of Rosicrucianism, right? Or yeah, correct. Amorc. Yeah, they're, they're pretty important. They have another headquarters in London, and they have another one in Paris, and then there's one in Alexandria uh, in Egypt. But this one is, I'm pretty sure, the most important one. I could be wrong because I haven't been to the others, but they've got. 
mummies and pyramids die cast uh actual temple pieces and they have their own observatory and they're pretty integral to the community here also always interesting to me they're right across from herbert hoover middle school which i always thought was just there's something weird about uh, hoover herbert hoover middle school i mean i don't know lincoln high school is right there too down oh that's right Um, they have the rose garden right yeah it's all symbolic. They're 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 showing that this has to do with the rose. Dude, right? those are all things in Portland. Lincoln High School, Rose Garden, all that shit too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Portland's got a lot of weird occult stuff. Actually, I want to get a friend of mine who did a study on all of the weird occult connections. Even Nike, right? When you think about it, like occult importance huge. You see the labyrinth um, there? Yes. And that, that's part of the garden. And this is the thing you're not supposed to stand in here, which I'm not saying I did, but you you can you could. And there's a bunch of this is a roof over it. There's a bunch of uh, pieces of uh, obelisks and stuff for um, members who are dead. And then, yeah, solar panels on top of their observatory. And you can only go into like one of the buildings and it's it is interesting. But they do do a online thing now ever since COVID. So you can you can watch that. Almost done. Let me just say Augustus of Hippo. Manichaean believed in good and evil thought evil swallowed good was walking around looking at all kinds of evil stuff then he has what Salvador Dali's painting of you know was that um da- Salvador Dali Saint Ag- Ag- Augustine there you go um you've all seen this painting you see the temptations where did I go temptation there we go this one um th- oh come on really demons temptations this guy here right so in this painting you know there he's standing back with the cross saying it's not manny it's christ and that good is stronger than evil and that evil is just a fabrication of the wholeness and that it can be conquered and this is a major transitionary period for him where he leaves manichaeism and becomes a christian and that's where saint augustine is known for me so we do what is right not because uh, we will be rewarded, but because it is right that we do it. We do what we ought, we do what we must because we ought to, right? And it's a transitionary period because at this point, everyone, a lot of people, there are a lot more Manichaeans at this point than Christians. And they're thinking, hey, good and evil are equal. But from here starts this idea that really there is a kind of beyond pantheism, like a um, uh, a I don't want to say monotheism because it's a pointillism. Yeah. Hedonism. Is that right? Not hedonism. Helen, hedonism. I forget. Perennialism. There's a word for where you believe that uh, one thing is better than other things. Idealism. Other things exist. Your opinion. Ultimate solipsism. The mission. I have to remember from one of my earlier videos, I found this perfect. I just want to point out, I know the focus in that painting wasn't realism, but the horse's shoes were on backwards. I don't know if anyone else noticed that. <laughs> Dude, that's that's how fast they were going. Turn the back desert. the demons. No, yeah. you turn them back. You turn the demons right. back. Right? Oh, yeah. This is ill. This is ill. Dude, Salvador Dali, it was an ill painter. I mean, <laughs> he, was like a, he was a founding father in this style of artwork, right? I mean, he, very cool. You could use uh, he's as far as you want but the fact is you try to paint like that you know what i'm saying like that is dope <laughs> he used to sleep in a chair oh he used to sleep in a chair with a big metal key in his hand and right above a metal plate and he would let go when he fell asleep and drop it and it would be so loud it would wake him up and then he would go paint something because he yeah. got like in 
REM spark. People did that. That was like a technique a lot of those people did. And he was a big absinthe drinker too. Uh, <laughs> that might be come from, bro. It's got to come from the demons. If you want illness on paper, which is positive and light, you got to go through the muck. And that's the problem is the lotus grows in the mud, man. You, know, oh, yeah. uh-huh. you have to go through all this and come out good. That's true. And uh, and and if you look, what's it like, speaking of good and evil, what's the origin of every supervillain? It's someone good that something bad happens to mm. it. So this is the problem with this whole thing is you can talk about it this way. You talk, wait, why not just take, I like to say, the take the 405, go around the problem, which is the city traffic. Go right around that and go to the exit, which is just be a decent person for Christ's sakes. I mean, it's real simple. Right, but bring plenty of decent people through the world, things. You have to. You there? Where are they? Hit me up, dude. I don't know where they be at. I mean, I know like a couple dozen, but I I know there's a supposed seven billion of us here. <laughs> Sometimes you get taken advantage of if you're too decent. You see what I'm saying? So you have to learn to also be defensive. It depends on what you think as as decent. Sometimes decent people just end up bowing down, and they don't actually face the problems if we face the problems faster than the future representations of us our children's children's children don't have to face those same problems over and over again so i think the most decent thing you can do is go to battle snarl your teeth just like a demon and face those demons and headbutt them to death you see what the, last, no, the, last, <laughs> the last time i ever had a um, what do you call it, bad dreams or nightmare last time i ever had was a uh, some scare i turned around ran right at that whatever never had a bad dream since Exactly. And that guy doesn't have a. You, to be fair, you clearly don't have a lot of nightmares if you don't even. Like, what are they called again? Those things that aren't. There. <laughs> it's been like a ten plus years. Pleasant career. Wow. Well, they go. Okay. They go away when you face them. Henotheism is the word I was thinking of. Henotheism is Henotheism. the to the belief of one god who's better than the other gods, supreme. Well, not denying the existence of possible existence of lower deities, right? Henotheism. That is this. Okay, Yahweh's here. Idols, false gods, humans, angels, Jesus. I don't know. There's this is. Uh, and then you I think more people are henotheistic than they yeah, know. No. Yes, most people are, especially if they're Christians and Muslims or Jews. Most, like almost all Abrahamic religions, are not monotheistic because they wouldn't say I have no other gods before me. If it weren't, you know, like why would it's like a girlfriend who's jealous of girls that don't exist? I get it, uh, but no, it's more that there's tell probably me about a thing it. there. Yeah. <laughs> Was that too relatable? All right, guys, we had two hours. I'm really impressed with you all. Let's do a little round table. Everyone tell us where we can find more of your material. I'll start with Seth because he's up at the top. What's up, Seth? Uh, yeah, for sure. Uh, you can check out my link tree. It's VBDC. Uh, you can find all my music, Spotify, Apple, iTunes. My music videos are all on my YouTube page. I got a new one out called Hard Roots you can check out. I also do a daily show every day but Wednesday now on Instagram called Talkie Time at 6 o'clock California time. And I just want to give a big shout out to the chat. The chat was crushing today. And there's a, I think it's our biggest chat on Wednesday Ultra so far. So thanks to everyone in the chat. Dude, thank you all for being here. Thank, thank you for crushing it. Thank you for super chats. We love talking with you and about things. Things you're interested in and make sure you subscribe to Venice Beach Dub Club on YouTube. That's awesome. And click on the little bell, right? Because <laughs> a little bit of real energy there. And then okay, who's next? I can't even see. Uh Giant, what about you? What do you what do you what do you think? Oh, I'll just I'll be back here next Wednesday. All right. Well, let me do the Twitter and then I'll I'll find Giant here. Giant. Is that gonna work? If I just go, if I type in Giant, you can find him on uh Twitter right here. Um Giant. But Jai, I saw you. There he is. Giant right there. Find find Giant, like, subscribe, follow him. And uh, who's next? Mr. Douglas, right? I think so. Douglas Doug. Mist uh, R Douglas, M-I-S-T-3-R-D-O-U-G-L-A-S dot com. 
check me out. But this is a lot of fun, and thank you all. I get smarter every time I come around here on Wednesdays. I'm super appreciative. It's amazing to be here. Gosh, we love you, man. And then yeah, Christopher, where do we find you, Christopher Presser? Yeah, Mensa Podcast for... Uh, oh, that's right. You're Mensa Pod... I, I was just wearing your shirt I was trying today, to remember. Chris. I was like, I know this guy. He's Mensa. Duh. Yeah, I love Mark uh, and Juan have another little, oh. little, little side hustle. And check Mensa this out. podcast is super based, critically based. I actually really enjoy this one. It's one of my favorite things. Uh, if you ever need some kid to hang out, I would love to join a Mensa sometime. It's one of my favorites. Please, please come on. You know, yeah. I'm, just, I'm waiting for them to send me a cease and desist. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's what I'm looking at. That's the kind of place I belong. I like <laughs> awesome. Or are they going to just cut us like a check or like let us in or some shit? You know well, <laughs> dude, but this also reminds me, Alt Media United, created by, you know, yeah. Bill and Ted's, uh, like, role model, Mark, from My Family Thinks I'm Crazy. Oh, yeah. Tell us Whoa. where you can find some of your stuff. I'm Bill and Ted's role model? Shoot. Shout out to, to Keanu Reeves. Rufus! Thanks for following my journey. Uh, oh, my God, Mark, you kind of do look like Rufus. I can see that. Wow. Rufus, Bill. All right. Well, I was going to... Like young Rufus. I was going to also say thank you uh, to you, Exertus, to Douglas, to Seth, to Giant. I love doing this show with you guys. Thanks for allowing me to bring my friend Chris here. Uh, we do a show together called Illuminati Confirmed. And if you're on YouTube watching this live, you're in luck because in right now on the My Family Thinks I'm Crazy channel, our newest episode uh, is premiering with The Donut. So go and check that out. Um, <laughs> It's very cool. So yeah, that's all I'll plug today. Uh, type in "my family thinks I'm crazy," not the acronym. We don't we don't use the acronym on. Amazingly YouTube. enough, it worked enough that I found your videos through it, though. So cool. you can you can get away with that now. So you're getting bigger. So good job. Awesome. Awesome. This is happening simultaneously. This is so mad. I, well, I oh scheduled gosh. it to happen immediately after oh, this because yeah. I figured I'd plug it and people watching could just jump right over and oh, it wouldn't get in the way. So everybody jump over to my family thinks I'm crazy. Let's all watch Illuminati confirmed episode 14. It's about to start. I'll see you there. Thanks a lot, everybody. Did I cover For you sure. all? Did we all get Fartboys.com. Remember the queen. My word. All right. Peace and love. Take care. Bye, right, guys.
Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.